So you're a fan of Atlanta United. And you heard ATL on Fire has crazy insights to your favorite team. Or maybe you're just here for the crazy. Amar said it? You've got to be kidding me. Nah, I'm here to produce, keep the sanity, and of course, drink wine. Or maybe to hit the buttons. And crank up the crazy. Whatever you're here for, we're going to talk about it all. I'm Dave Cass. I'm Mikey Dobbs. And I'm Carmen Butler. And this is... The ATL on Fire Podcast Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club. And as always, I'm joined by Dave and Carmen. How's everybody doing this evening? Awesome to be back. I can't believe it's been this long. It has been a minute. It's been like what, two weeks, Carmen? Something like that. <sighs> I've missed you guys. Yeah, I we know. missed you. <laughs> Just life is getting in the way. We got off our schedule. We were doing pretty well, but um, I think... We at least maybe compounded some of the tough things to talk about maybe into one podcast. Um, So there's the upside there. Um, But before we get into that, we we, uh, have a beautiful red wine on a Friday night. Uh, Dave, what what are we getting into here? Uh, It's a Spanish wine. Uh, Pronunciation, gee. Uh, Vaqueras. Vaqueras. Anyway, it's a Garnacha, which my dad's probably going to Humble me if it's not right. I assume it's a garnache grape, but, uh, and that's the Spanish version of that garnacha because it doesn't say the grapes otherwise, but that's what I think. It's nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Mm. Thank you. Thank Spanish, you. Spanish. I thought I'd, you know, you know, uh, mix it up a little bit, maybe in honor of our boy Miguel Berry, yes. who we may talk about. <laughs> oh. He's Spanish. So- so, um, <laughs> oh, I, I silenced the ATL on fire podcast. Oh, gosh. I'm gonna say it again. Miguel Berry. See, it worked again. Well, <laughs> also, uh, in the, in the vein of spirits, we want to thank our sponsor, oh, yeah. Wild Heaven yes. Brewery. Uh, that is something to cheer about. Oh. Yes, Wild Heaven Brewery, as always, uh, hooking us up. Uh, probably a good weekend to get up there for a cold brew. Uh, they have fantastic. Right. Beers, Dave. Any any comments on uh, Wild Heaven? You've been been I drinking drink a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> is that a comment? Um, they're not. You know what is that? What's the old uh, hair club for men? I'm not just the uh, uh, the leader. I'm also a client. That's right. I'm not. I'm the, he's not just our sponsor. I'm also a consumer. Uh, yeah. Um. So we got a lot to talk about this evening. Um. So we got a thick agenda. So we okay. we can talk about it all, but we want to talk about you know obviously the news of Araujo going. We'll touch on that. There's three games that we haven't um, gotten into, which include a loss to Miami two to one, where our friend Joseph Martinez put two in the old onion bag, and then another three to one loss at home against Charlotte FC where our old friend Justin Miram put two in the old onion bag. Oh, and uh, I think we ended up getting a goal at the end of that with yep. a header from Parata or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then we finally have our last home game in that stretch against Colorado and end up getting a four zero win. We'll talk about that. Uh, Hot and, and cold. We're gonna talk a little bit about. <laughs> gonna talk a bit, little bit about tactics if uh, if everybody's up for that. 
uh, predictions for what's to come uh, in the Chicago game and for the rest of the season. Okay. Maybe if there's time, I'd love to talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team and mm. what's happening in, uh, in football across the pond. So Ooh. there's a lot to talk about. We got a ton. Yeah, that's a ton. So, Six-hour podcast. Here we go, people. <laughs> Strap in. I don't know. <laughs> make it into all those topics, but there's, right. there's plenty of things that we can talk about. All right. I'm ready. So the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, after we had four losses and we had the, the bad loss to Charlotte, Charlotte which we'll okay. talk about the analysis mm-hmm. of that game, this idea of intensity, urgency uh, that is lacking uh, from the players um, became a, a big thing that uh, Pineda brought yeah. up as the issue. Um, and, you know, kind of claiming that the energy levels are high at practice. There's intensity, mm-hmm. but it seems like on match day, particularly during that run of losses from uh, Memphis, from the Open Cup through the Charlotte game, uh, people weren't up for the games and mm-hmm. weren't giving it their all. And I think there's certainly evidence of that. I mean, what you're seeing in terms of energy levels uh maybe not being as high as you want. And you see that in a lot of games, even games you win. But Mm -hmm. the thing that struck me was that he said that that was the number one problem. Yep. To fix. And it's on him. So Dave. So if one of the things I'll say right off the bat, so if that really was the problem, right. Then how did we know that it was about to happen, <laughs> right? You know, you can't, if, if it's intensity, if it really is intensity, the only person who could predict whether or not the intensity are, is going to be good is somebody who's in training all the time, right? right? You can see that. You see how the team's up and down or whatever. We're not there. So we can predict that. And yet we kept saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Even after our good start, we felt like there was a slide coming because it just wasn't on, Right. I had to so, delete my notes that a meltdown was coming from Araujo. Yeah. But it wasn't a meltdown. It was just an exit. So <laughs> right. he's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, we said that, you know, if, if nothing changed, we, eventually he was going to melt down. It was going to be terrible. And that, to his credit, I guess he didn't, but he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess it's sort of the same thing, same outcome. So uh, on this idea, though, of, you know, intensity you know if you've got good things happening in training you know why are people playing flat when it comes to 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 game day moments well the other thing i would say is that you know sometimes often when you think about lack of intensity you know um you come out flat out of the locker room you know and you have to recover for it there's a lot of teams you know who go down all the time or whatever we actually are amongst the lead in the whole conference in scoring in the first 15 minutes, right? So that's in general. That's not in the game that we lost or whatever. But, you know, if that's happening a fair amount, does that mean we're coming out lax? Right. I just – and I, well, I will get to the Colorado game and my observations on intensity and the players coming out with a little bit more of a skip, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but – so I, I wanted to go, I mean, dude, I think that I have a counter to this argument that it was intensity and urgency in particular. And when I was just not talk about broad size, but that was a response Pineda said in response to the loss at Charlotte, that it was a lack of initial <laughs> intensity and then he changed it to urgency. Right. And I think I can prove that wasn't the case. Okay. Let's, let's find out. So, Carmen, maybe you could pull up 
the first goal that we gave up. So if there was going to be a lack of intensity or a lack of urgency that really cost us the game, you would think that it would be what cost us the goal. And in particular, the first goal, you go down one nothing, it makes a huge impact on the game, right? Yeah. So um, we've pulled up the clip, right? We're in the 16th minute, right? So Charlotte is attacking down the left side, right? And Lennon's all the way back. So we're not in a situation where, you know, we've been talking about all season where he's caught up the field, although we'll get to that in a minute in goal number two. But, <laughs> but in the first goal, he's back. He's trying to block a cross. So, um, and he fails to block the cross. So Carmen, if you'll play it and then hit pause in a minute. Okay, and pause. Okay, so he fails to block the cross, right? Goodman was all pinched in, but, you know, that's for a cross or whatever. It goes over everybody's head, right? There's this moment of sort of reset. Mikey Dobbs, can you please describe for the non-YouTube uh, listeners where Lennon is in relationship to the guy who just crossed it? He tried to block the cross, so you can probably guess. Yeah, he's right next to him. Okay, so now hit play and pause again a few seconds later. Okay. And stop. Uh, so they go, so they, they, they cut over to the other side. Stop. Yeah. So he was standing after he blocked the cross, right after he was trying to block the cross and didn't, right next to the guy, Justin, uh, not Justin Merrick, I'm thinking the other guy, right next to the Charlotte player who's ultimately going to score. Okay. So he was literally touching him because he was trying to block the cross. Right. The moment the cross goes over everybody's head, Gutman goes out to try to address it. What Lennon does is he takes off on a sprint to go stand next to Miles Robinson. Okay. So if you lacked intensity or urgency, you would just be standing around. Right. Right. And if he had just been lazy, lacking intensity and urgency, he would be standing next to that guy. But he doesn't. As soon as the ball goes over, he goes sprinting and shows intensity and urgency to do what clearly he's been coached to do. Because if you were not coached to do that, if, if you, we went out, as we've done many times, and played in a 7v7 or a 11v11 men's league where there was no yeah. coach, and that ball went over the other side and you were the right back, where would you be in this moment? Yeah, I'd be next to the next, open guy. Next to the guy because you would just be walking. Yeah. Right? If you you would lack urgency and intensity and you would not well, have just, an effort, I also, you would just be there. I wouldn't have left the guy anyway. Well, maybe you wouldn't do that because of tactics, but most of us wouldn't have done that because we're just lazy. I was yeah. about to say, as a lazy player, yeah. I would definitely still be standing there like right that. by, but he doesn't. He goes sprinting right into the middle, right? And so what that tells me it has to be coached, right? There is no possible way that a player would just leave that guy and go running in. And is there an even open guy? Like, is he seeing a threat in this in this moment where he have pause? Yeah. Is there a guy for him to go cover? Everybody's got a. It should be. We have two in the middle. They have two in the middle, right? So Parata and Robinson are you know have the two guys, right? We actually have four v three in the middle of the field, right? Is there any possible reason he might make the decision himself to go over there right now when you're looking at it? Yeah, it's just, it's... It can't be. Yeah. There cannot be any reason, and yet he goes sprinting in. So now, when they play it back out wide, watch it, he'll go even further. Play it and stop it again. Stop it. 
He goes all the way in there. Now, you'll notice that another player pops up, and he runs right by, I think it is, Jose too. I'm not absolutely sure at the top of the box. Uh, Paratas is sort of at sixes and sevens. He's covering nobody. But regardless, you might look at this now and say, which a lot of people did, and said, look, he covered the wrong guy on that. That was not the case. He ran in there and was standing there for a good... Four or five seconds before that guy ever right. made a run. And and it correct me if I'm wrong, but this confuses the other people on what their assignment is when he yes. pinches in. Right. Right. Because so. they actually can shift over because they're like, oh, I guess he's got him. Right. Right. But there was no reason for him to do that. If he lacked urgency and intensity, he would be standing right next to the guy. Now play the rest of the clip. Yeah. Tap in. Tap in at the far post. Mm. I mean, not only did he run in. He but didn't. Just he didn't even turn his hips to ever look at yes. a guy that he knew. He just left, and there's a guy who's about to cross the ball. So, Dave, I would also say, like, obviously, an individual mistake too. But to, yes. But so, is there enough evidence in your mind? Because I think to play devil's advocate, yep. somebody is going to say, "Well, this is just an individual mistake by Lennon. He he wasn't being coached to do this, and maybe he did get a lashing when he came off the field that he." You know, that's not what's being trained. I would say there. So, so all those people say individual mistake. I would say, yes, yes. Once he, once he was in there, he never recognized the danger or whatever. But how can you call that just an individual mistake when he purposely ran away from the guy with the ball into the middle? Like what? I mean, you know, we, there's a lot of people and maybe you're going to about to say it, you know, we say, oh, you're not on the tactical training pitch. You don't know what the coach is saying, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I cannot think of any reason why, if it wasn't coached, why you just tried to block a cross, the ball goes up, you're standing right next to a guy, you would go running in when there's nobody standing there. Right. There was nobody. And, and a lot of people look at that clip and say he ended up with a guy. When he ran in the middle, there was nobody. I, there's nobody who can't say he shouldn't have been on the guy that was the, 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 the guy you mark as the right fullback. And he left him. <laughs> yeah. He, and he left him actively. He ran. It was like almost a sprint that he ran into the middle. Yeah. It wasn't like he got caught watching right. the ball and, and you know the guy and, drifted and open. And that's the observation is that in on the training pitch or as a as a philosophy that is being hammered in that get you know get in, <coughs> in get tight. in get in get in. <coughs> now you so. might say we have no idea. It could be that he's been coached his whole life to do that, and it's not really Pineda telling him to do that, yeah. right? But I just don't buy it because I see it from both, and we didn't see it last year from Gutman in particular, and he's now doing it a lot more. It's, I, you know, we don't know. We're not there hearing him coach or whatever, but I just cannot see a justification, even if you were the kind of player who did that, yeah. Why you sprint away from an open guy into the middle to cover no one. Yeah. And even if he's done that, that's just like the player he is. At some point, Pineda has to say, stop. Stop. Because he's been doing it over <laughs> right. and over exactly. and over. So I agree with you. Pineda so that the changed game. the whole game. That moment, because that was their first goal. Yeah. Right? And, I, and, and Pineda gets up there and says, we lacked urgency, we lacked intensity. I actually think in that play, you could say we had too much urgency and too much intensity. He wanted to do something in the middle, maybe. Right? And he left the guy wide open. Yeah. But he did it on purpose. And he did it with act 
active intensity or whatever. We just proved that he wasn't being lazy and yeah. checked out or so, whatever. So let's let's stay on this topic of we don't we don't know, okay? Because we're not yeah. at the training, but we we continue on this podcast talk about Pineda's tactics being wrong. So how do we know what his tactics are, Dave? So that's one example that we're inferring, right? That yeah, he he's being told to pinch in there, and we've seen that with Gutman as well. So like again, observations. This isn't one isolated incident, and why we're thinking yeah. this is a directive being asked of his fullbacks to pinch in, uh, which as we just saw in that case creates confusion on assignments when there's plenty of people in there to assign the right people. Don't leave the guy that's obviously needing marking as the right fullback. Right. So Dave, what other examples uh, come out to you in terms of just known tactics that Pineda seems to have in place? Well, you know, you and I have discussed that one of the things that we do a hundred percent know about tactics is we do know what the starting lineup is, right? And as we'll get maybe to later on the tactical board, Miguel Berry is not an MLS player. He is absolutely not. I mean, he originally started um, at Columbus, was his first MLS job. He he had three seasons there, mostly two seasons. He scored two goals one year. He scored eight goals. That was obviously his key moment. Um, they dropped him yeah. even after that, which says something. They dropped him. He was at USL. Then he went to DC United for a minute. He never really played there. They dropped him to the USL. Yeah. And we picked him up for God knows what reason. And, <laughs> and we're only paying like $100,000 a year. He's, yeah. he's on the low spectrum. So, Dave, you know, I. Uh, you want to go right to the tactical board? You well, want to see yeah, exactly I, where I, he's going? No, I, I want to I talk about. Um, you but know, I have something else if you want. Yeah, the, just, just the fact, right, that Miguel Berry, he's not MLS. Uh, ready. Um, God, where was I going with this? Yeah, in, in terms of why he's playing him, I was mentioning, I don't know if you said it, that wasn't he targeted by Pineda or influenced to, to be maybe some value? I was the to one who sort roster? of started that rumor, and we don't know for sure. Okay, so we don't but know the reason true. why I started that is because as we were waiting on new signings, we were trying to find a striker, right? And we knew that we didn't have a striker. Joseph had already left, and it was like, whatever. And Pineda talked about how he had a couple people coming, right? And he said he was particularly excited about a player, um, and it turned out to be Barry, clearly, because one of the things he said about him is that he was really tall and whatever. And it, you might say that's also true of Papa Giorgio. But this was before that. And he said specifically, we're really excited about Barry because he's very physical, very tall, the kind of striker that I like to play with. And I, I mentioned this on the podcast because I was like, who as a professional coach just likes yeah. a player because they're tall? Yeah. Right? I mean... Because well, you know, tall is it good goes back if they use it. Identifying talent, right? And it does sound like even just hearing the the pre conference with um, with Pineda today before the Chicago game, they're asking about uh, preparing for the replacement for Araujo, and Doug yeah. Roberson was asking some questions. I don't know if he's playing coy or not, but he certainly acted as if Boca makes almost all those decisions yeah. and brings. Uh, will bring the opportunities to him and they collaborate on it. But Boca goes and scouts it all and then says, Hey, here's, here are your options for striker. Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe Boca thought maybe that Barry had something left in the tank from DC yeah. shows him, you know, Hey, we can get this guy for a hundred thousand dollars. 
And he's like, yeah, I like him. He's t- big, tall, has my has the profile I'm looking for. Let's go with him. So what, yeah. el- what well, else? What I want to say is that, you know, we've had a series of um, players who had a lot of promise. Araujo is the last of these players to come and go. <laughs> he's not gone yet, but he's gone. Um, and the thing that, that I want to say about that is that I, you know, obviously Boca Negra may make the call. We don't know. Gareth Lagerway presumably is making the call now, but whatever. Whoever's making the call, there is no way that if we loved what the team was doing and or even if Pineda was like, this is a guy I really wanted to keep, that they would even be entertaining offers, yeah. right? I mean, you know, now it may be a case where they got a sudden out of the blue big offer and they were like, we were going to take that. But if Pineda really, really wanted to keep him in the middle of the season, like, for example, if we go back to Al Marone, right, in our title-winning season, right? If somebody had come to us and said, I would give you $13 million for Al Marone, right, in the middle of the season, he has to leave now, there is zero way Tata and or the management would have let him leave. Because yeah. they're like, he's, you know, an integral part of it. Now, you might say, well, Arujo's not that. But my point is that, Pineda has to, at some level, sanction him going from the team in the middle of the season. You don't see players who are in the coach's favor leaving the team in the middle of a season. It just yeah. doesn't happen. No. Also, back on the topic of Barry, right? So how many starts has he gotten? He's gotten a lot of minutes. And Dave, you were yeah. telling me his stats. Give me, give me <laughs> yeah. Miguel Barry's stats. So he's played some 500 minutes, more, 530 minutes, something like this. Um, it's over five games where the football, a number of them have been starts. In the entire time, 526 minutes, he has two shots, zero on goal. How many assists does he have? Zero. <laughs> And even just like average Joe, right? Like, I, I, I does anyone have anything positive to say about the game? We talked about this before, but it's it is unbelievable. I don't think he's been offside yet. No, you and know? you know it's I funny because that. some people one option that they had. So we've talked about that the, it doesn't have to be a striker, right? The you can go with a false nine. There are other possibilities. You could have played Araujo and Etienne and Wiley, for example. But even if you're a hundred percent like I have to have a prototypical striker. If you look at Machop Chol, who a lot of people are saying, oh, he's no better than Barry. He is better than Barry, even statistically. I mean, he's only played like a hundred minutes. Oh, when he's come he's on. scored. Yeah, when, when he, <laughs> so, already, seen, that's better. Already, he hasn't done really well. No, but. Correct. But I've already seen uh, Machop Chol come on for Barry. And within five minutes, right. you're saying his name. He's yeah. involved in the attack. Yeah. It's positive, right? Like, yeah. is, is it amazing? No. Um, We're talking so much about Barry. Can I go on the tactical board? No, I just think this no. would be hilarious. Yeah. Get, out, get over there, board. Dave. Let's get you <laughs> Hold on. on. She's going to set you up first, tactical though. tactical board. Yeah. Come on over, though. Tactical board. For the listeners, this is uh, where we uh, are favoring the YouTube audience and have a pretty cool board that we go to where Dave is moving some players around in different situations and uh, really helps kind of bring to light what we're seeing and what the pros and cons are. So Dave, what you got? Get that mic next to your mouth too. Oh, yeah. Don't be, 
Don't be shy. Okay, to be fair, I'm not going to show you anything earth-shattering here. <laughs> Although we can go back to things. I do have some tactical things I can say. But <laughs> here's the thing. Um, and we have to replace uh, Yakamaki's with Barry. So I'm going to show you... And uh, forgive me for a second because we should have probably had this more queued up, but I can do it in two seconds. Um, so I'm moving the whole team playing against us up the field. And Barry's playing as the striker. For those of you who are not on the YouTube channel, basically the team we're playing against is up, up the field. And in this scenario, we're going to be trying to play out of the back, right? So I kid you not. I literally watched him for 10 minutes, just him at the stadium on Wednesday night. Yeah. Right? And we had the ball between Parata and Miles in the back. It was maybe slightly up the field from here, a little outside the 18. And actually, these guys are switched. But I kid you not. I want to show you this. So Miles has the ball here, right? Barry's up here. And he dropped and he made one of those, you know, if the ball's in the middle of the field, Mikey Dobbs, yeah. you make these like, oh, sorry, this run where you drop a little bit and then you try to go. Yeah. Okay. So Miles Robinson is 40, 50 yards from him yeah. up the middle. So let's say that Miles Robinson can somehow hit this 60, 50 yard ball. Yeah. It's straight up the middle, right? So there's no angle for him to do it. So he's got to take it coming over his shoulder, right? And if he somehow manages to bring it down, is Barry ever going to be able to run off to the goal from there? No, just send him into no. man's land. What? in the world whoever coached him when the center back has the ball that you should be looking to run off the last defender on the line try to beat the offsides trap with your pace even if even with erling holland you would never do that because yeah. no way you want that ball being delivered from 50 yards and he did this over and over, he walked back. He was here. He was offside a lot of times. Then he finally got onside. We won the ball somewhere in, and he was like, oh, you know, this is what I've been told. Coach wants me to make the run. So he just did this. He just did this curly cue run. He went, oh, he's offside or whatever, and he came back, and then he did this, and then he stood. He's got good movement, is what you're saying. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, you saw on Twitter – there was a heat map of him and it was a huge blob because he just stands. You know, at the moment that Papa Giorgio came on for him right here, he dropped a little bit off here. We scored the first goal right after he came on. Mm -hmm. There was a ball played to him and he laid it, you know, on a curly ball right off to Almada. If you're the striker, that's what you're trying to do. you got to come help the team get up the field. You are not looking as the slowest striker we've ever had to try to run by someone when we are playing at our own 18 with a 50-yard ball over the top. That is asinine. And can I hit the fire button for yourself there? But, um, <laughs> He's heating up. He's on fire. But also... In terms of urgency and intensity, if he's looking at his options and urgency and intensity is a problem, 
What have you been seeing in Miguel Barry oh on game day that says urgency and intensity? This guy, does he have any pride for his, his future in soccer? I have like, no idea. In the beginning no of idea. in the beginning of this Charlotte game, okay? The first yeah. three minutes, right? Lennon got the ball down here, okay? And, you know, to, to, to prove to you that we have this airplane tactic, it was in the first three minutes of the game. Lennon got across. He got all the way down there, and he actually crossed it to Goodman, who was Goodman was at the far yard in the six-yard box. So this took a long way, and we're not going to move all the other players. But if this happens, who would you think would be also fighting for that cross? Maybe our striker. Miguel Berry. Miguel Berry was standing with his hands on his hips here. In the first three minutes of the game, our left back was further in the box than he was. Yep. I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, you know, we're in the box. You know Lennon's going to serve it. It was a perfectly laid ball to him. Everybody in the entire universe knows Lennon's going to whip in a ball. Go attack it, right? And he stood and watched. He's invisible. He's He's absolutely invisible. It's worse than invisible. Like, who actually taught this guy how to play soccer? I don't know. I watched it. I I watched closely the other game. I mean, it's just, like you said, he was just going in circles up top. Like, it was like, what is he doing? Uh, Who looks for a through ball from our center back for 50 yards when you're not fast? Who doesn't get in the box when Lennon is about to serve it and everybody knows it's crossing as the sole striker on the team? So, so what do you think Pineda sees in him? Like, can we guess? Can we? Yeah. I mean, like, what well, could yeah, it possibly be? He sees that he's tall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was some tactical board action. And uh, now we're going to uh, move to some of the recaps, right? So we had a... 2-1 loss against Miami where, again, we said Joseph Martinez uh, was able to uh, have a little moment against us. Uh, what, what did you think of that game, Dave? Well, you know, uh, I have some notes. I think that, you know, ultimately Pineda will say that we were hard done by probably. He didn't really like say that, to be fair. He didn't really make the excuses, so that's good for him. But, um <clears throat> You know, we had a lot of possession in that game. We had, you know, we outshot them and we had, um, you know, more possession, more passes like we typically do. But um, expected goals were exactly equal. And we really weren't creating any chances. You knew everybody watching that game was like, you know, if we don't score now, we're in trouble. And to be fair, in that game, again... Um, the airplanes were just ridiculous. If we want, you know, if I was going to say anything about that game, I'll run through the series of quotes. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I love the I love the moans and groans. Uh, it's so like the, your, it's like your logo on your shirt. This is an upside down period for the club, just yeah. like our logo there. Um, yeah, it was absolutely nuts. And so the expected goals were equal at 1.52. We had an advantage in possession, 56 to 44. We led in shots, 14 to nine, but we didn't have 
chances. We literally didn't create a lot of chances. Um, and so you kind of knew it was coming back. And if anybody were going to do it, right, it's going to be Joseph Martinez off yeah. the bench. He hasn't scored all year coming yeah. into this yeah. game. Zero. Zero goals. Right? And he gives up two. Right? Um, you know, and they were good, right? Yeah, they're but right. Uh, first was the penalty kick. The second one he got on, you know, a, a nice classic, yeah. you know, little quick movement in the box. You know, Barry, if you're watching that, quick movement in the box. Yeah. Get, in, know, get into the box. The heat map that they showed on Dirty Soccer wasn't really getting into the box. So, um, in the last 20 games, away games, for Atlanta United, all under Pineda, you want to take a guess? Here's my trivia question. Yeah. How many games have we won? What was the, what was the first? On the road, the lad of the last 20 games, all under Pineda. Ooh, how, how many games have we won on the road? Yep. Out of 20, I'm going to give us... I'm going to give us three. Oh, wow. Garmin, over, under. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go over three. Over three. The answer is wrong. Oh. Two. Oh. Two games. It's the lowest in MLS. I knew that that we was going to be We won only two games on the road. It's like, it, can't, be, like, it really? can't be lower than three. So they announced this. I just, my jaw dropped. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, Pineda and everybody gets caught up in the individual games. And sometimes, you know, because we're not affiliated with the club, we're not, you know, we don't get these stats like they do, but, um, you know, on the broadcast, they have these stats and they're like, it's not good. Just two? Two. Wow. Oh, no, we've tied some games. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's not all losses. Yeah. We're not like yeah. 18 losses, but two wins. Two wins, people on the road. That's not great. Out of 18, that winning percentage, it's not a high number. No. No. And Mikey so Dobbs, math, that was a great guess, by the way. I have to thank give you, you props for that. You. I know. I, I was like, that is really low, but I'm going to go. I was like, he wouldn't ask the question. If it wasn't <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I started off this game saying, you know, we still have the airplanes, you know. And then I said, I don't understand why the outside backs are, even when we're back, they don't mark out wide and close somebody down. The number of times we just give anybody an opportunity and in this game i will say you know the second goal that we gave up where joseph martinez scores there is we you know it's an interesting thing right so here's my description of it right we won't we don't need to play the clip but um we have when our airplanes in this game again we had this situation where Araujo and etienne were expected to cover in behind our outside backs why i don't know because they were pinching and why they were pinching in whatever but anyway i said please stop making everyone else cover for outside backs last year it was center midfielders this year it's our two of our starting three forwards right we have three across the front and they're covering in behind their backs but anyway so that in this case um we turned over the ball um it was up the field we had a really good situation Right, it was really good. It was a few minutes left. We are um, at that point. We were down one nothing, right? Because right? we scored only after going down two, right? So we're one nothing. Key game, right? Could equalize, right? Yeah. And we have a really good situation, right? We we turn over the ball in their half. We give it away, right? 
And the guy's under ton of pressure. We actually got a nice counter pressure. Everybody talks about pressure, counter, yeah. counter pressure, right? We got a really nice pressure. He's under total pressure. The guy just launches the ball up the field, 30 yards, right? Just up the field, right? I said, once again, we have really good pressure up top. And once again, it's relieved by an aimless 30-yard ball that was into the corner. Gutman was so far pinched in, he didn't even get out there. So that ball that was played to Martinez, yeah. it came off... A 30-yard ball where they were under pressure and the guy just kicked it. Yeah. How do we get beat by a guy being under pressure? You know, that's what we want. We want that guy under pressure. We want to force him just to kick the ball 30 yards up the field and we recycle it, right? Except for we couldn't recycle it because they had a guy wide open. Yeah. And old Joseph Martinez. Well, he played to Joseph Martinez. That was the guy who got on the ball. But everybody, again, looks at the end of that play and say, you know, how did Joseph Martinez get in behind the backs? I'm like, yes, of course, we should have done better. Parata should have done better. A number of people should have done better. But how do we, when we have a pressure, counter-pressure moment, the guy's under so much pressure, he just kicks the ball right. 30 yards. How, how does that lead to a goal against us? Right. How are we not in a shape, right, to be able to how can we scoop not? that up? Keep his at minimum keep possession. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it better off right scoop it up and then get it back in the mixer quickly. Right. And so that this is, you know, and you could see it on that play that everybody, every time our outside backs are pinching in all the time. All the time. I mean, Hernandez, when he played in this third game, the first few minutes, I thought he was like, it was like on a yo-yo, yeah. like, because he hasn't been playing a lot. Yeah. And he, and again, this is how, you know, people ask us, how do we know that's being coached? If you, I watched Hernandez because I was like, we haven't seen Hernandez yeah. in a long time. That's, Let's see how he does. That's the one nice thing about the, the Gutman injury is yeah. we, we're seeing a little Ronald. So Hernandez. I watched him right from the first five minutes. And he sprinted, I think, the first three, four minutes of the game, he sprinted 10 yards out because they looked like they were going to play out to the guy. Then as soon as we looked like we had the ball, he sprinted 10 yards in, and then he sprinted 10 yards out, and then he sprinted 10 <laughs> yards in, and then he sprinted 10 yards out and 10 yards in. And so you tell me that's not coached? Yeah. Right? Why in the world is he running back and forth like a madman? And nobody, none of that play did they ever get even close to playing to his guy or he wasn't involved. Right. I was just watching it off the ball. Right? And I was like... He looked like he was a yo-yo, you know, going up and down, you know, like somebody had him on the string up and down. Uh -huh. Let's go, right? And he just came in the game, this was, right? This he was, hasn't played before. This was the Colorado game. Yes, in yeah. the Colorado game, yeah. the third game. I'm yeah. like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, that's not good. It's not a good start. <laughs> Regardless of whether he makes good plays or bad plays, he's on a yo-yo. Why don't we rewind one game to Charlotte, the disaster game? Right. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, so let's go right to the clip again, right? So second goal, right? So we give up, um, you know, I just showed you how I thought our intensity actually cost us the goal, right? Let's go to the second goal, right? So now everybody is going to be talking about in this goal the fact that on the end of the play, uh, Gutman tugs the guy down, right? We get a not only a penalty kick, but we get a red card, right? That's, okay. that's terrible. Yeah. But we stopped the clip here which is the very beginning on the highlight package, right? Is, and what I want you to notice, right? So that's Lennon, right? <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> Thank right? You, Kat. So what's happened here, he's actually in the front corner, okay? So he's all the way in Columbus's end, 
right? Because he was airplaning. Where he always right? is. Where he always <laughs> is, right? He was totally airplaning, and he actually is given that look because he slid a challenge, and it was actually a fair challenge. Yeah. But he got called for a foul. Right, I remember stupid that. MLS referee. Yeah. And he was jarring at the ref, right? So he jars at the ref. They go take a free kick from... Right almost by the corner of their 18, a little bit. It was out wide. It was right in there, way far in their own end. Okay? This does not seem what appear to be the most dangerous situation. We giving them a free kick in their own corner. Yeah. They right? Have, they have a goal kick, basically. Right. So the problem is, he's so much in airplane mode that he's arguing here. And even though they have all the time, they didn't take a quick free kick. Right, they put it down. They looked around. The guy was back. They got some players up. He's still standing there. Now stop it, okay? Yeah, well, there's three people bombing down the left side. Well, so there's two guys right at midfield. So the guy who who's going to get on the ball is the guy running, right? But there's two guys right at midfield, right? So those two players, right? So one of them. Has, has to, to be Lennon's guy, right? Yeah. And so Miles Robinson, who's the best one-on-one defender probably in all of MLS, certainly he's the best on our team, right? He's going to get beat in a 1v1 situation here, right? And one of the things you kind of have to wonder is, like, how does the best defender in all of MLS, one-on-one anyway, get beat in a one-on-one situation? And here's why. Because you can see it. Maybe he stopped it a few seconds early, late, you know, but... He was actually up five yards because he thought they were going to play to those two guys. Yeah. Right? So he actually has to recover in behind him, and he's 10 yards behind the play because he's covering for our center midfielder who's not there and Lennon who was, had all day to get back after his airplane and is doing nothing. So everybody's going to talk about how he got beat and then ultimately, if you watch, when we play the clip, Parada comes over and does nothing, right? He, he gets in no man's land and he doesn't. So there's mistakes. You know, Miles Robinson got beat and people are blaming him. Yeah. But he got beat because the guy had a 15-yard head start, right? And then Parada doesn't come over. But nobody is talking about the fact that Lennon was arguing in that front corner while they had a free kick and it left two guys in behind him, which caused Miles Robinson to be pinched up because he was worried about it. Hey, Carmen. My boy's wicked smart. <laughs> wicked, wicked smart. And... <laughs> I mean... So now play the clip and watch how Miles Robinson gets beat because that guy gets to it first and he's behind him, right? He never really gets beat. The guy was just ahead of him. And you can't tell me that guy is faster than Miles Robinson, right? right. So we now make a great save, Right. But you'll see, we give it up again, and we give up the goal. But so it doesn't yeah. matter, right? But my point in this clip is, yeah, that's how all the pressure yes. came our way. Nice, right? Wow, I you know, I, it, it, a great observation too, just in terms of, uh, again, the the issue we've known, right? Which is our fullbacks don't play fullback, or at least one of them doesn't. <laughs> um, it just seems like such a simple, simple tactical fix. Um, very tactical direction to say, just stay back 95% of the time. Yeah. Pick your moment. And, <laughs> you know, you can see it later on. I'll show, you know, you'll talk about, well, so, okay, but we're getting all these great things from it because he's forward. There is a, there is a moment so, uh, where 
Araujo tries to play Lennon in, who's out in front of him in his airplane mode, and he hits him in the back with a pass. I remember that. He literally (laughs) hit him in the back. If there is not not an illustration of what's wrong with the team, when our best guy getting in behind defenders, the fastest guy, is trying to play our wing back, and he hits him in the back. Yeah. Which is, I, I, since we design uh, the entire team around Lennon going up the right side, <laughs> and Araujo's leaving, and Lennon's taking that space anyway, what are your thoughts? Since we know he's not going to take Lennon out, right? Like, he's number, no. one, number one on the roster for Pineda. Sure. Uh, Ronald Hernandez plays right back, and Lennon just becomes... The right forward. He could. Such winger. So, you know, the, the thing about it is, and, and it's actually interesting because um, a lot of people say, well, it's got to be intensity, right? Because Charlotte in the first game, we killed them at their place, yeah. right? And then and that game actually had the same, I think, exact starting lineup as what we had at home because Papa Giorgio had just come to the team and he didn't start. And was, he came what, off the bench. And was that maybe one of our best games of the season? Yes. It was by far our best game of the season. We scored... Like three we actually, quick goals like we was actually, great. We actually played. Not only did we score through, we actually played. Yes, our best best game that I saw us play. Like yes. it was a it was a game where like okay, I'm not complaining yes. in my own brain as I'm watching this. I went back to my notes. I said, you know, how is that possible, right? How do we crush them on the road, right, and then get crushed at home? What what what, what happened? What changed? Yeah. You know what was really interesting. I had all this praise for Pineda in that first game because for the first time all season, both uh, Lennon and Goodman stayed back yeah. on the road. And we had all this success, right? In this game, suddenly, I was like, it was super airplane, yeah. right? And, you know, and I was like losing my mind. I'm like, okay, what's our tactics? Like, so it almost seems like, the players must be making the decision on their own because it's one game, it's super airplane. It's mostly been super airplane. But there have been a few games, including this last game against Colorado. People are saying they were airplane. Uh-uh. No, if you watched, I was in the stadium watching them. Lennon and Hernandez were back so much of that game compared to what they normally are. And if you notice what happened, who was freed in that game? You saw Araujo have acres of space yep. and run at people like... That look right. like deer in the headlights. Like, don't run at me like this. So <laughs> we here, wanted we want Lennon running at us like that. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. So I'm trying to figure out how it is that sometimes we have it, sometimes we don't. And, and what I think that the thing that comes back to is at the beginning of the season we were playing three in the back. We had it overloaded with Robinson coming out right, right, and then we got. Off to a good start. You thought he would stick to it, but he didn't. He suddenly started sending Gutman and Lennon all together, and we went right back into the garbage, yeah. right? Anyway, my point being that I was trying to figure out what it is that makes that decision, and I don't think it's just players randomly doing it. And I used to, th- I thought, you know, I gave him so much credit at the beginning of the season because I said, all last season we said that was the problem. And this season when we came out, we didn't have it. It was only one of the two. We kind of think both should be back, but at least in this case, it was only one out of two. We talked about it a lot, right? And we did really much better than I thought we would because I didn't think that he would realize that was a problem. I didn't think that he would correct it, but he did. He did correct it. He kept Gutman back. 
And then he had Robinson switching, you know, shifting over, and they kind of had a back three, and it worked, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, oh, good, you know, not only are we winning, but he's, we're winning for a reason, right, that he actually cured one of our problems. I still thought we were mm-hmm. pinching in too much, but he cured one of our problems. And then suddenly we have airplanes again, and I'm like, <laughs> what? And you know what I think is? I actually think he is looking at the other team and making a decision that today, this is a really effective thing against this team. They're weak there. And in another game, it's not. He's doing it game by game. He's talking to them, and they're getting instructions each game. Today, you're on an airplane, you know, whatever. Yeah, he's he's tweaking it on how. I think he's doing tactics up the wazoo, right? (laughs) Okay. He's just overthinking it. I would agree. Because otherwise, how is it that we're suddenly this and that, you know, that would never happen, right? Yeah. You, if you have a player and you gave him free reign, he would do the same thing kind of all the time, uh-huh. right? And suddenly, for example, in this Colorado game, we suddenly, when we were dead, terrible, you know, we've been terrible for how many games? We hadn't won, we had won one in the last eight. Yeah. And we came out in that game at home against the worst team in, in the league, because in the West, right, last place team. And suddenly Lennon and Gutman were uh, not Gutman because of Hernandez. Yeah. We're at home, and you might argue, well, Hernandez, you know, maybe he can't go forward. But for, it was Lennon, too. We were four in the back almost the entire first half of that game. Yeah. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> it's Charlotte when we were absolutely catastrophic and got killed. We had super airplanes. I just showed you one example, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And I was losing my mind. I'm like, so if we're the better team, and we have certain players who are better and we want to take advantage of them. Why would we be switching tactics that much from game to game? Yeah. Yeah. You got the talent to have consistency. Especially at home. Just yeah. go beat them. So. But I think that was the thing. If you look at Charlotte away versus Charlotte at home, I think Charlotte away, he was worried and he had them back. Hmm. And then Charlotte at home, he was like, oh, we're at home. We can dominate. We're going to have possession all the time. It's not going to be a problem. We can go or whatever. We got burned. What else in the Charlotte That's game, Dave? Uh, what else in the Charlotte game? Uh, um, oh, the last... Goal. Um, so obviously, um, let's see. The last goal we got a yeah we got a one goal in the Charlotte game it was three to one. Yeah, but the third and and it it was like the last ten minutes like we finally put the gas on right in that game. Yeah, even, even a man down like we were actually playing the best best we we played in that game a man down. Um, Oh, that's right. I forgot we went a man down. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And it was almost like Pineda was actually hopeful we we're going we to come back in that game. Like, had we gotten the second goal, it was going to be a, a chance for a tie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had some opportunities, but it was never going to happen. Well, I can tell you the Benz was not feeling the team <laughs> during the, it was not. Yeah. What, what was the vibe there, Carmen? It, it Not good. Like, in y'all yeah. set, in the section we were in, it was just like everything we did I mean, people were just reacting negatively because it just seemed like we couldn't really string anything together. Yeah. If it did look like we may have had something going, somebody just would make like a, just 
a stupid mistake or something like that. But the fans, like we left early and a lot of people left I know early. I heard a bunch of people say they left in Atlanta United game before the whistle. And that's like a Cardinal And we're the late, sports. late show too. So <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Re- they really rubbed some fans the wrong way yeah, that game. It was not pretty. It was not yeah. pretty. So I want to, you know, we, we, we set up this whole idea that, you know, it's tactics and not players. And, and I, and I do want to say that it is also players. Yeah. Um, Lennon, you know, we just showed in the first goal of this game how I thought Lennon got beat terribly and it was tactics. And it wasn't lack of urgency or intensity because it was over inter- intensity uh-huh. or urgency. If you can find the third goal, I know we haven't queued it necessarily up, but what, and I can talk about it if you just want. But in the third goal, you realize actually that, um, exactly why Lennon is never going to, even when he's back or whatever, is never going to be a great right back because on the third goal, he is back the whole entire time. Right. And, and if you just play the clip and watch Lennon the whole time, right. So play it, just watch Lennon who gets beat at the far post by Miriam. This reminds me in the world cup. I don't know if you remember the goal, but um, the U.S. gave up, and you were like, "How does Serginho Des get beat by an old man?" And, <laughs> and this is this is the same thing. How does Lennon get beat by Justin Miram? Look at this. Watch Lennon. He's there. He's in great Guys, position. He knows who he's marking. Turn, and look yeah. at this. Oh. <laughs> That's just bad soccer. Yeah. That's just a bad player. You cannot blame that on the coach. That's just bad defending. Yep. Right now, obviously, you want to block the cross. I think. So many the good coaches get away with it because if you actually recycle the ball up top, you don't have to defend that way. You can make bad defenders look much better if they don't actually have to defend, right? But the bottom line here is that that was absolutely atrocious. And old man Miriam, I mean, he just oh, was, wow. and he was watching him the whole time. Yeah. Lennon knew exactly who he was covering, and he just got beat. Yeah, he got corn cob Lennon. You know. So I think those three goals. Tell a huge story. The two I think that really cost us the game early were tactical, right? The first one was because we're stupid pinching in. The second goal because the stupid airplane, right? And the third goal has nothing to do with tactics. It's just, and we were down a man, so maybe you say Lennon's tired or whatever, but it was just really bad defending. Yeah. He let Justin Miran, who's like, what, 37 or something? <laughs> I don't think he's that old. Yeah. <laughs> 30, 35. He ain't young, Justin yeah. Miran. Maybe yeah. Carmen could look it up for us. How old is Justin Miran? But <laughs> So that's what I'll say about right. that. So let's move to the Colorado game because we got a lot, of, lot to cover. Yep. Colorado game, you were, you were at the game, Dave? Yes. Carmen, were you, were you at the game? I was not. Nope. You were not. Okay. I also want to say in the Charlotte game, when we were talking about how do you prove that there are airplanes, Yeah. Lennon got called for being offside coming back from an offside position as our right back. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, that can happen even if there's not airplanes, but it the, happens a lot when there are airplanes. Right? The, Colorado, the Colorado game, we obviously... So right out of the gates, uh, the ca- the team came with a little skip in their jump, right, yeah. uh, from the whistle, which is fine. I'll, you know, great. Like, so my first observation was like, okay, well, Pineda, hasn't, he hasn't obviously lost the locker room. That's a good, that's good, right? That's a good um, thing. People are listening, including Araujo was coming out like a, like a hornet. And he's had a number of games where in the first half he looked like a hornet. Like yeah. he really was on 
and it hasn't he just hasn't clicked he hasn't yeah. scored and then yeah it's not I, there's no lack of an intensity like with Ujo in my mind and in, in the the broader set of games that we have i agree i think he comes out quite often like that where you know he's almost trying to do too he's too intense i was like mm-hmm. oh god like that was like that was like my first reaction to the intensity that i saw i was like oh god they're just gonna overdo it uh, we played pretty well in the first 15 minutes we're not gonna get the goal and it's the intensity is gonna wear off because that's what happens yeah um and you know we we fortunately got a penalty kick uh, Almada skies it over the top, and then I think it was like the twenty seventh minute. Almada does what Almada does. So yeah, if you miss, so first of all, I felt like in the stadium. I told my son and his friend, I was like, you know, we got that penalty kick. It was not a penalty kick. <laughs> so it literally the ball ricocheted sideways oh. right at the top of the box and hit him on his hand. And they said, oh, his hand's not in a natural position. Sure, because he didn't think the ball was going to ricochet sideways into his hand. Oh, it's... it's uh, it, How is that a handball? It's, yeah. When somebody rips it, like, <laughs> five feet from you and, like, you're, like... I'm, like, defending you like this. Like, it wasn't oh. even... Like, you would say on a shot, you have to have now your hands behind your yeah, back like, or whatever. Like, this actually is a natural position when I'm defending someone. Like, sure. this is balanced. You look natural. Right? And if, <laughs> if you kick the ball from five feet and it hits my arm... You know, they. This is the problem in soccer in general. They are never going to solve the handball thing, unless a handball is just a handball if it hits your hand, which means you got a bunch of people walking around like this. I think, as I've talked about in the past, there's got to be some way. And people don't like subjectivity in the game, but I feel like why not have a situation where in the penalty box it could be a penalty kick, but it doesn't have to be. So if there's a ricochet handball that the guy didn't know about, it's a free kick from there which is a very dangerous free kick. Maybe they score off it. That's yeah. your tough luck. But at least it's not a penalty kick. That's a, right? That's a, that's a really good idea. Whereas if a guy this. blocked it on a shot that was going in, then sure, penalty kick. Yeah. Especially like, if the shots go, like, if there's a chance the same way, like, it, it, you know, the, how they credit the goal, right? Like, if there was a chance it was going on frame, then you give the penalty kick, right? If... I mean, they... Pierre Luigi Kalina, who I thought was the best referee of that I saw, at least in my era, I know what he would have done, and this is before VAR, so I don't think he could do that anymore. He would have said free kick, and the guy was only about a foot inside the box. He would have been like, ah, it's outside the box, yeah. <laughs> right? That's what he'd done, and he said that's fair because yeah. you know, yeah, it hit his hand. That's not good, and it was in your own penalty area, but. It, it shouldn't be a penalty kick. You didn't earn a penalty kick by ricocheting a ball off somebody sideways into his hand. Yeah. So, Dave, in terms of uh, just the, the the first half, even what's your grade on the way we played? Not uh, uh, intensity aside, the first half of the game of the Colorado game. You mean? Yeah. Um, I thought overall in this game. We were much, much better in particular. Like, we really didn't give them too many good chances. That being said, in the whole first half, we had a ton of the ball as usual. We didn't create that many good chances. And if they get a lucky goal, we would have probably lost. I I don't know. Like, I felt like like Colorado was just so bad. There was some – had they had any talent, I mean, they would have – 
seize some of those opportunities, but they never materialized because they just made some bonehead moves. As we've like, said before, this team to me is only really great when everybody's there. And this team came to life when Papa Giorgio came on the field. That's when they were finally looking really good, right? But I didn't think that was actually us dominating the game the whole time. We had a lot of possession. We at least didn't give up great chances, but we weren't creating good chances until Papa Giorgio got on there. Yeah. But so. let's let's talk about this free kick. So I don't know unless you want to talk about the even the penalty kick that we got was a handball, yeah. right? And then we we you know right. we scored a classic you know not coached goal, which you know if you've got good players you score that. But Almada hits an amazing free kick. That was just yeah. one guy bailing us out as he's done multiple times, right? So I didn't notice, and they brought it up on the broadcasters brought this up that we do a wall in front of their wall. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that before. And I kind of like it. What is it? What's your opinion on that? Because, I mean, there's so much craziness that goes on. Now they got the guy laying on the ground, their wall jumps, and we've got our wall in front of their wall ducking. But I do kind of like the fact that that does create a little bit of a screen for the goalkeeper. That's that, obviously the, the role of it is to yeah. try to make the goalkeeper have to take an extra step over to see. Yeah. The goalkeeper definitely is at a disadvantage with that extra layer of people and not seeing... Uh, you know, yeah, how, and he never moved on this. He never moved. I mean, and he just stood. The, the wall jumps perfectly, and it still goes over the jumping wall and right into the top. Well, not right in the top left, but it was pretty snug. Amazing thing is he got it up and over the wall. By the time it hit the goal, it was about mid-high, yeah, mid, which yeah. means the dip on that kick yeah, the, the, was ridiculous. It was, yeah. And, I, mean, and, and, I mean, Keeper just stood. Stands there dumbfounded. Say it again, you but know. That's why that I was guy like, can really play. <laughs> but that's why I was kind of uh, in favor of that weird wall. I felt like that okay. was another layer of distraction. Yeah, where he couldn't see whether whether uh, Almada was going to go far yeah. far post or near post, and by the time he was ready to react, it was just too late. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So then the game is one nothing for a long time. I think up until like almost the 80th minute. It was our second goal. So that that's a lot of nail biting for me behind my Apple TV, Dave. Yeah, it was like, 80th minute, Arujo. You're right. Um, so it wasn't like we really ran away with that game. No. It clearly like felt <laughs> like I was just waiting for a tie to come at that point. Hmm. I didn't, you know, I thought we were, you know, really in control. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like, we have possession, but we're not in control at all. And I just, I don't think that was because we, I just think Colorado's really bad, like you said. Um, they didn't, they didn't have anybody forward. They didn't get any numbers forward. They were just sitting, it was, you know, even when they were trying to score, it was going to be a counter and it was a counter with like one or two, yeah. right? Um, so, I, all right. Negativity aside, yeah. negativity <laughs> aside, Mike Dobbs. Oh, let's see you know who can play some soccer, Dave? Papa Giorgio. Papa Giorgio. <laughs> Giorgio Akamakis. Yeah. Not, not only Almada, but let's talk about a guy who's hopefully going to be here for a while. I mean, that guy can play some soccer. Yes, he can. I love it. I mean, it's not a coincidence at this point, folks. He can score some goals. When he came on, it just changed. Actually, you know. Well, not only does he, can he score goals, it's where you're going. He changes the whole. He was pressuring up top Miguel Berry. Never pressured never. anybody. <laughs> right. I mean, I was watching. I know. In yes. 10 minutes, he never put any pressure on a single player with the ball. 
right? Nothing, oh, yeah. nothing. And then jo- and then Papa Georgia comes in, and you think, okay, he's the celebrity I ca- star. I counted. It was like two or three seconds. Yeah. From when he was on the field to when he had an impact. Yeah, he was running right off, and he was creating all kinds of pressure right from the beginning. And then he dropped back. When, it, when we had the ball with our own center backs, instead of trying to run by their team from our own 18, he actually came back to yeah. the ball, Mikey Dobbs, and he made an absolute beautiful ball to Almada. Yeah. I think it was on the Araujo goal, right? Did he find Almada and find Araujo? But anyway, it was a great spit. Oh, my goodness, was a great ball. Yeah, it was. He um, made two balls in that half. One was a spin ball, and then the other one, he was at the top of the box. He was looking right and slipped it behind there right back to our left yeah. midfielder. The the second, the second goal was Araujo running in open space. Correct. And then play, instead of doing what we always seem try to bend it to the, the far post, yeah. he just does a little cheeky check right to the He's near, good near at that. post. Yeah. Really good at that move. That was really yeah. well done. He hasn't scored that because he hasn't had that many moments to run. Yeah. And if you remember the last game um, against Charlotte early on, he had a breakaway, yeah. right? They got stuffed. Um, and people are like, oh, he's not that good. And I agree, that was horrible, yeah. right? But, <laughs> but you know, I think to me, um, you know, if he gets one of those, if you're a coach and you get one of those in like five games and you're like, oh, he's got to score that, that would help us. That's fool's gold, right? You know, um, I used to talk to my good friend, Paul Riley, who's a phenomenal coach, and he would say, coaches chase after that all the time. The, we got this amazing chance we should have scored. If you want to score, he's like, create 9, 10, 12, 15 good chances, then you'll score. Yeah. <laughs> and and back to your point, like, just being involved in the game, the, the third goal was when uh, Yakimakis uh, did that little flick out wide to Almada, who then cuts yeah, it in, the cuts it in and just rips one far post. I can't remember the keeper got a hand on it, but then uh, Josh or Tyler Tyler Wolf, Wolf. Tyler yeah. Wolf basically makes sure he gets it across the line as it's already going in. He should not have touched that. Why? Oh, because so what happened? You gotta was, do that. No. no, the goalkeeper pushed it off of. His sideways own? his own, own guy player. his own player it hit off a second one of their own player and it was going in the goal off of their own player he was in an offside position oh. right he was in a total offside Tyler position Wolf was. yes he was they called it no problem because it turned out it was their goalkeeper to their defender to the other defender to him so it came off their team oh. right and that's why but if it he couldn't have known that it yeah. didn't hit our own player. No. If it hit any one of our own players in that game, that's an offside goal. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. And it was, was going outside. in. It was absolutely going absolutely. in. He should have gotten out of the way. Uh, was one of my kids said that. And I was like, absolutely not. You put that in he the wasn't, goal. He wasn't. You're, not if you're offside, you don't. <laughs> he, you got to know. Yeah. He, had, he was really offside. Like he was a yard offside. Right? It wasn't even close. I need to go back and look at that clip. Yeah. All right. So I was like, right. don't, don't, oh, oh. And I was like, it's got to be coming back, right? He was clearly offside. And then they went slowly through the replay, and you're like, it never touched one of our players. It was their goalkeeper off their defender, off another one of their defenders to him. Okay. Gotcha. So. (laughs) So it was like pinball. (laughs) One of those little offside loopholes. I love it. All right. Now, again, what brings me happiness is the fourth goal. So yes. we had like three goals in the last 
10, yes. 12 minutes this oh, game. Oh, that was just, Yeah. It was like, all right, this is the this is why I started an Atlanta United podcast. I want more of this. Yeah. I mean, first off, credit to Brooks Lennon. Yes. Nice. What a ball. What a ball. But wow. here's the thing. Incredible. Here's the thing, right? If you're if you're out there, Miguel Berry, and you're listening, right? So Yakamakis makes almost the same run that I showed how horrible it was on the tactical board, right? <laughs> I was going to bring that up. But, but the, the difference is he made it when uh, Lennon had the ball past midfield, right? It was right about at midfield. Yeah, he, was, he was whatever. He was just shy of midfield. On but it wasn't from our center back from our own 18. Yeah. And so... First of all, it was wide, so there was an angle. And second of all, he was far further up the field when he made that ball. That's you where you can make that run. Yeah, let's bring this bring this up here. Uh, so, yeah, here's Lennon. It's about 20 yards before the half line before he kicks it, I think. And yeah, yeah, so when he launches it, he's only about 10 yards in our own half, right? Yeah. That's way farther than an 18. What I loved about this goal, though, first off, great run. Yep. Beautiful chest ball. He's got... The awareness to see the keepers coming out, and he's got to do something with his next touch. Mm-hmm. He tries something audacious, which is to ch- chip a tall keeper who's relatively close to him at that point, and gets enough air above it to do it, and then has the speed to follow up and just make sure it goes in the net with a bunch of defenders. Not like, just the was, speed, but the urgency and ur- intensity. Yeah. Yeah. But, so that'll give you Pineda. I'll give you that. That's what he. That's what he got. George Yakimakis has always had yes. intensity. Oh, you're and never right. He, that doesn't need to be. But he in also him. has intelligence. Yes. Because so when Lennon plays that ball, he is so much further up the field than when we were talking about on the tactical right. board. And because he's wide, if the ball is played right over your head, straight. You cannot chest it like he did. The yeah. reason why he was able to chest it, it was because it was coming at an angle. Yeah. Right? So that's a time where you can make that run, and it's a smart run. Yeah. It it's happened also a, yeah, a challenging one. Brooks Lennon was almost out. He was only a couple feet from the touchline. Yes. He was way line, out side, wide. Side yes. Um, so that is, if you're Miguel Berry, do your little crazy loopy <laughs> run then. I don't think he's going to score like that. I was about to say, says, yeah. but at least he got a chance if, to bring the ball down. I, I said this like seven podcasts ago. If we see George uh, Barry yeah. again, I was going to walk out of the game. Didn't I say yes, that? Yes, you did. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> remember right. that? Yes. yes, I do remember. And he, he starts, starts again. We're doing and I'm rocking out, but you didn't walk out. He's, I mean, how many Liar. games? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't start that game. He didn't start. So that I remember. Game. I was. Wa- right. I was like, he, I do not want to upset he, Mikey. Dodds. It's okay. We give you. We give you a, a mulligan, Mikey Dots. But you were absolutely right. <laughs> the, the sentiment was right. The sentiment exactly. was right, and it's. But he did start a bunch of other games after that. Oh yes, he has, and every single time, yeah, all some, the way up to the Colorado game, we text each other and be like, "What is?" Happening? And so, if you think Pineda's tactics are good, and I'm saying that they're bad, like that was six games ago. We've only ever called for I think two players to, if you're out there and we're wrong, whatever, to be canned. Yeah, one was Adam John. Who is like a Barry clone. There's three that I have. But. And the other one I thought we said was Breck Shea, who was awful. I, I didn't hate Bre- Breck Shea as much as everybody else did. He's uh, easy. He's easy got? to You're going to go with... Um, yeah, your three. Dom, Jurgen Dom. Adam, <laughs> Adam John, uh, uh, Miguel Barry, and Amar Sedic, which oh. Amar Sedic... As as far uh, as far as he's he's kind of yeah maybe, I wanna, he, like, he's kind of back because he's gotten so many minutes this year and because 
he's not being asked to do anything more than just possession and ticky tacky. He's actually with other good players around him playing good soccer. Amar Sedek is good at what he does. So he's got two good feet. He's good at settling the ball. He's good at, he's a possession player. He's, you know, a ball player. The reason why we've been down on him is because defensively he's not good. He doesn't, he's not dynamic. He doesn't make runs and he doesn't score goals. So (laughs) as an attacking midfielder, you're like, yeah, I would rather have an extra defensive midfielder, Ibarra and Sosa. And I'll say, look, okay, forget it. We don't need you. Like, this is what we kept saying about Josetu and or him, right? That they're supposedly another ball playing, attacking, whatever. They're not really doing that. They don't score. Why not have two guys and just be like, we've only got one guy who really is going to play yeah. us in. It's Almada. Mm. Let, that's our guy. Yeah. Right? But, we don't need another but the one. Reason <laughs> I've, the reason I backed off of Marcetic is yeah. he's, he's playing smart soccer and, or not playing dumb soccer is right. maybe a better way to say it. And yeah, he's even had chances. He almost had that diving header chance. He got a little unlucky. It was about as good as he could have done on the occasion, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think I've said in the past that... You know, we've made fun of him a little bit, especially because his defending is awful. Um, but he's a luxury player, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if the team is going really, really well and he can make extra passes or whatever, he can really help, you know, string people together. And he's good at that. Yeah. Right? But uh, is that good enough? Well, I don't think so. I mean, it's like y'all said. He usually gets the ball, passes it to Almada. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, we fine said in and the I'm last... fine with that. Too. I'm that's, fine with that's that. That's why I'm saying, okay, if you're at least smart enough to do that, and not lose the ball, then hey. In the in the last podcast, I think we talked about, or maybe two a couple ago, I said that you know he actually fits the system much better because Josetu is running himself out of position and leaving this huge gap. At least because Sadich doesn't run, he takes up space in the middle, and that actually is a little better. But if if you replace a guy taking up with space with a guy Abara who can really tackle. I mean, Abara is a terrific tacker. He wins back balls all the time, right? Yeah. I would love to see Abara over the half field line going and making tackles and winning the ball in their end and setting up goals. Like I'm not like I'm not talking about making passes to make goals, but I'm talking about just turning it over and giving it to Almada, just like Sadich does. But Sadich does it only when somebody gives him the ball. He gives right. it to Almada. Abara could win the ball and give it to Almada. Totally yeah. different story. Completely. That's much better. One step up. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the breaking news that really became official today. Yeah. Uh, Luis Araujo going back to Brazil to Flamingo. Right. Um, we brought him over from Lille, a league un champion uh, prior to coming to Atlanta United. We paid $9.5 million for his transfer fee with, I think, like $2 million in bonuses if he hit performance things. So... Probably didn't get his bonus things, <laughs> I'm guessing, because he didn't perform that well. Right. Um, so we paid $9.5 million. Uh, The rumors have it that the the transfer fee to Flamingo is anywhere between eleven dollars and $13,000. So we're not losing money on him. Um, am I crying that Araujo is leaving under Pineda? No, because Pineda clearly doesn't seem to know how to leverage him. So, Dave, what what do you think... Uh, we can do, or what do you think Boca Negra is looking at, right? So now we likely have two of our designated players that are going to be gone come the back half of the season. So June 24th, I think, is Luis Araujo's uh, last day with Atlanta United. And 
Almada, we'll see how the rumor mill progresses. But that free kick did not hurt his stock price. (laughs) What? They don't. They shouldn't want that in Europe, right? I know. Guy who can kick the ball in from 23 yards on a free kick. Carmen, do you think we can upgrade from an Almada and Araujo? We we, Uh, we are talking about like the way way Araujo played this season. You felt like other non-DP players could play better than him, but you didn't give me any names. I wasn't able to give you any names, but the thing, I don't know. Maybe Araujo and... Maybe I'm more disappointed because I know he could have done better. So maybe I'm judging him from that respect. I think we all are, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I think in my head I'm thinking he's worse or has performed worse than he really has. And I can't – you're right. I can't think of anybody. um, And my question was like, so take the MLS as a league. And I know we don't know a lot about the other teams, right? right? And who's – like somebody on another – getting there. Another team that's not – our, our team or another team that's not a designated player that you would have swapped out for Araujo. Let's see. Can we think of anybody? It's I mean, tough we because I also don't I exactly know who all the designated players are on those yeah. teams. I mean, I know. I mean, obviously the people who comes to mind are designated players, but I, I, I mean, this is where I have to plead the ignorance and say I don't know the specific MLS players <laughs> enough that well, which is my fault, my bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Tyson keeps like, saying Gressel. You'll take Gressel back. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but come on. I, 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 wouldn't Tyson take Wiley at this point over Gressel? Oh, you yeah. know, and I don't even know what Gressel's done since Wiley he's at Atlanta yeah, United like has played better than Araujo. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's that's, not a dozen that was my that was yeah. my one guy. That's I was true. like, if there's one guy you're going to sub out and say, "Hey, Aries, you take a seat from here. We're going uh-huh. to let the young buck Wiley." play mm-hmm. like i'm cool with that right. just as a little bit of like a check okay like if, especially if pineda and i kind of gather that in my interpretation of pineda today in his press conference before the chicago game was addressing questions about uh Araujo leaving and you know how professional he's been etc etc i i in in some of the other questions that were being asked around like what he's looking for for a replacement he kind of like was like looking for somebody who listened to like the tactics and won't like it seemed to me like there was a little bit of tension maybe between Araujo and being like given instruction and following it that Pineda wanted to happen I don't know Hmm. I I might be reading too much into that but I felt felt like there was a little bit of like if there's somebody who comes in and takes that same spot this is what I'm looking for. And he left the answer very generic, right? Uh-huh. Like dribbler, da, da, da. But there was something he said in there that made me believe that Aruja wasn't always in agreement with what Pineda was telling him to do. Hmm. One thing I'll say is that, you know, we did not fail to note that for some reason we have three left-footed wingers, right? <laughs> yeah. So we have Etienne, we had Wiley, and we had Araujo. One would assume that the replacement is going to be right-footed. So the other interesting thing in this in this press conference <laughs> was uh, it seemed to be a bit of a surprise that Araujo left. Like it seems like they probably knew like maybe two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like they knew more than two weeks ago that yeah. this was all going down. Okay. And even the question came up from Doug Rubberson around like, hey, could you take uh, Moreno, who's 
uh, on loan and bring him back like, or whatever. And, and he was kind of like, well, I don't even know if that's an option in his contract. Like, but obviously that's not going to happen. Moreno is never in favor with, uh, that actually gets me right to the point I wanted to make. Um, and forgive me if it's slightly long winded or whatever, but so first of all, I want to say that, so Doug Roberson said some made a comment on Twitter, basically that if this is a problem, then, you know, coaching problem, then you have to say that our last, you know, is it a problem with all three of our last coaches, everybody since Tata? Yeah. And I think the answer is a little bit no, but a lot of Yes. Um, you know, we talked about DeBoer as having some strengths or whatever, but maybe this is something that needed to be said by me on the podcast. Anyway, when I talk about coaching and the expectations, so I wanted to throw this out to you guys, what percentage of the coaches just in general in any league do we think are really great? What percentage? Well, let's take the EPL, which I know probably the best EPL is loaded right now for coaches. Yeah. yeah. They got a lot of good coaches. So yeah. like they, they but, uh, how many in the EPL right now that are good coaches? So they're great. Great. That are great. Oh man. Uh, we'd probably take a lot of those coaches over here and say they're great. I'm just saying for so that how, league. How, for that for league? That league. Or, yeah, for that league. And then we'll go to the MLS. Will be uh, My question to you is how okay. many great I'm coaches gonna, have there been in I'm MLS? Gonna, I'm going to leave it generic. I'm going to say in the EPL, over 50% are great coaches. Oh. Okay. Over 50, really? So yeah. this is where I think okay. this is part of Go ahead. Uh, and they, ahead. I feel like the EPL has a lot of great coaches. I wouldn't say 50%, but I, I would probably say... Like a third of them, 30, 30. Mm. Like, and this is maybe why let's some start, of the well, listeners. Let's start, let's start from the top of the table. Go through the coaches. Yeah, well, Guardiola you, is phenomenal. Um, Klopp is absolutely terrific. Yeah, keep going. Um, Ten, Ten Hag has turned out to be really, really keep great. Going. Not, I mean, these are amazing coaches, not great. Yeah, the, the, but, but so this is the, what I'm saying. The, no, hold on, now I'm talking. You're talking about. Yeah. We just talk about the three best coaches in the world. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I get that. And no. so you said great, which I put All amazing, right. excellent, great, or whatever. Or maybe you say. I should have defined it as higher. My, I, what I wanted to say to the podcast listeners out there. So I was going to say ninety percent of the EPL coaches are great. Is my answer. Well, what I was going to say is when I'm talking about you know coaching that is um, not great. Right. I'm talking about a coach who, you know, either, you know, if you have a truly great coach and what I think, then if they have a decent squad, that doesn't mean they're going to win the title. But that means with almost any squad, they can oh. be close to the top five or whatever in their league. Okay. If you have a great coach and they have a, have a good team, then they're really competing for the title year in and year out. Right. That's what I'm talking about. A great coach. And I've been talking about this a lot and I realized that I hadn't really defined that. I kind of think the truly great coaches are in general are like 10%. Right. Because if you take, so there are a lot of good coaches, right. Who I would say with the right team could be, you know, top half of the table are unlikely to win a title. I mean, if you look at the number of coaches I and mean, obviously soccer is weird because there's only one champion of 20 teams, Right. But if you look at the number of coaches that sort of ever win a title, it's pretty low. Right. So yeah. 
So if you say, so if you want to, let's bring it back to Atlanta United, right? So Atlanta United has a, a very large pay, uh, you know, almost unlimited for MLS, you know, um, pay scale, right? We have, can afford some of the best players, right? right? So you would say just based on money, which obviously money does not equal talent, but just based on money, you would say uh, a great coach would have us every single season basically in the top five yeah. and a lot of seasons in the top two or three, okay. right? Fair. Um, and so I would say the problem I've had is, you know, how many of our coaches have done that? Right, Tata, obviously. Two. And DeBoer, oh. right? He had us close, right? So, um, you know, but if you look in the league, right? So if you look across the MLS, for example, right? How many coaches are consistently either at a terrible club and doing, you know, quite well, being in the top half all the time, or who are consistently competing for a title? How many coaches? I mean, how many coaches have even won a title in MLS? And most, a lot of them have won, like, more than one. Well, there's so much yeah. turnover, too, in MLS yeah. coaching these days, too. So, I mean, one thing I would point out, for example, like Bruce Arena, who a lot of people, you know, dog on or whatever, that guy is a great coach. If you look at his record in MLS and people say, okay, you know, he's had a lot of good teams to coach, but uh -huh. he won titles at DC United. He went to LA Galaxy, won multiple titles there in the MLS and went to New England that has no pay scale whatsoever, uh -huh. right? was a terrible whatever and had them, they won the league in his first year. They missed the playoffs last year, yes. And now with like all these terrible players that they still have, where are they now? He's in second place, right? He took a, an absolutely atrocious team with no pay scale, right? And he, I actually think he made some terrible decisions. I don't know whether he made them or other people made them about they brought in a bunch of U.S. veterans who were so terrible. Why, why? But yet he's still at the top of the table. Why does Atlanta, Why did Atlanta United shift away from the philosophy? I guess they got burnt with Heinze. Of, but even Heinze was not the greatest choice in terms of resume and finding a world-class coach. Like we wanted, we, we get sold this like, hey, we want to be a world-class club. Yep. And we seem to reflect that with our designated player money, like finding right. an Almada, right? Yes. right? Why can't we find the Almada equivalent in a coach? Because there's no, there's no cap, right? Arthur can write the check. Mm -hmm. We just need somebody willing to... In coaching, there's zero cap. You can pay whatever you right. want. Nothing. We, right. So we, we should be super attractive in terms of yep. at least a paycheck yep. for a world-class coach. Why... Have we not, like, is Lagerway not thinking about that? Like, dude, Lagerway, you got a blank check. You've got a rookie yeah. running the team right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said you handed the keys to the you, Ferrari to, you know, some teenager <laughs> yeah. who just got his license. He yeah. just got his license. And it doesn't mean that Pineda, like, honestly, like, this is probably really good for him. Maybe, like, 10 years from now, he can be a great coach if he, if he learns from some of these things and listens to our podcast. But why wouldn't we go out there and find a, an amazing coach that you know is going to come in and win like an Ancelotti after he leaves Real Madrid this year? Well, so what I was going <laughs> to, I wanted to bring this back to point. actually where you started with the Araujo deal, right? Okay. Because I wanted to talk about a series of players who we have bought with our really unlimited funds, yep. right? And I'm going to just throw them all out to begin with. There's Araujo, P.T. Martinez, Moreno, Barco, Almarone. Almada, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, those are six South American players that we played a lot of money for, who came in with a lot of hype, and who were good players, you know, at some level, right? And if you look at them, so Al Marone, obviously huge success, right? You know, was one of the best players we've ever had. One of the, and I thought the couple of years he was here was one of the best players in MLS every year, right? Obviously now Almada is making a huge impression, and they're not Joseph Martinez in that list. I didn't have Joseph Martinez in the list because he wasn't like young coming from South America. He came back from Europe, but he was young. Yeah, so maybe you could put Joseph Martinez on the list. Gotta put Joseph on that sure, list. Sure, sure. Um, but what I would and maybe Joseph makes my case even more. So, you know, if you look at those players, right? So you either have to argue that Al Maron was amazing and the rest of them not so much, or you gotta kind of say that some coaches were able, Tata was able to get something out of Al Marone. And if you look at the series of coaches who have had PT, Moreno, Barco, Araujo, yeah. they have really underwhelmed all of them. And, you know, what I was going to say is that, and, you know, can, Al Marone. Can I ask a question yeah. about Al Marone? Yeah. Do you think that Tata designed the team around Al Marone? Yes. Okay. Or at least it may not have been from day one, but after a certain number of games, he realized that was the key to the Second kingdom. Second follow-up question. Do you think Pineda designed the team around Arisia, the $4.5 million no. player? Why not? Well, you might argue that he's got an Almada too, so he would design the team around Almada. But has he designed the team around Almada? I don't think so either. No. No. I might have designed it around Almada. And I don't think that Pineda is getting the most out of Almada that he could. No. Almada's been amazing. But to be honest with you, where Al- Almada has amazing ability to play a ball, and most of his super contributions have been like free kicks almost. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and, and individual one where he scored a goal or whatever. He's had some fantastic passes too, but that hasn't been the majority of that, his play. That kid can pass a ball. I know, or, and he can yeah. really pass the ball. He can. Beautiful. And there was somebody on Twitter arguing that he's like a bad, not a great passer. I'm like, who is this fool? But you saw Al Marone running in space all the time, right? How much have you seen Almada running in space? Now, you might say, okay, well, that's the player. It was just Al Marone. But here's the thing. So Al Marone goes to Newcastle, right? And he shows up with a coach who wasn't great, right, for a team that was yeah. parking the bus. And he was still Al Marone. He was still... His great, you know, running at Which places is why the or fan, whatever. Fans immediately loved they him. They loved right. him, but he was so ineffective. Yeah. He didn't assist. He didn't score. He didn't do anything. And they were actually, everybody was talking, Al Marone has been a bust. There was the whole thing yeah. about um, our buddy from Manchester City, Grealish, who was talking about you yeah. pulled an Al Marone when you, you look really good, but you don't do anything, right? And they switched the coach to how. Yeah. And people say they've upgraded the roster and they have a little bit, but it's not that much. Suddenly Al Marone is one of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that we've had a series of coaches who was the I can't remember his name, the Newcastle coach before. Yeah. Al Marone and he didn't do anything with Al Marone. He made Al Marone look bad and and a lot of people said, "Well, Al Marone's not good enough in the Premier League. You got a better coach and suddenly he's one of the best players in the Premier League." Uh-huh. So is it just Almiron is so good? I mean, there might be some players, and Almada might be one of them, who's so good, it doesn't matter what coach. I mean, obviously, if you have a Messi, you know, yeah. maybe that's true. 
But even a guy like Messi or a guy like Almada, I think of the good coach makes it much more easy and he does more contributions. He'll still look amazing and do these free kicks or whatever. He doesn't have to do anything. Somebody gets fouled, he walks up to the ball and he scores, (laughs) right? But I don't think he's doing as much with that. And if you look at this series of players, we've had a series of players who have had a ton of talent, right? And we're arguing, I think a lot of the fan base is saying, they weren't that good. They were bust, right? They mm-hmm. turned out to be not that good. And you might say, well, you know, what have they done since? Like PD, I don't know how he's doing in the Saudi Arabia League. I don't know what Barca's doing. We haven't he's followed play, he's a little bit. He's playing with Ronaldo. Yeah, but, is he really? yeah, but yeah, how well is he doing? And I don't really know the answer to that. I don't know. But what I would say is that I don't think they've unlocked any of those players. And again, I'm being hypercritical, but I think there is a there is a 10% of coaches who could have taken Moreno, PT, Barco, right, Araujo, and made them look like world beaters in MLS. I 100% agree. But it's a, but I, but I think I've been losing the podcast listeners on a little bit, maybe, is what, how good of a coach you have to be to do that. I think there are only a couple of coaches in the entire MLS who could do that. And, most of them and are that, more in that, the middle of the That's pack. my point, too. Why don't that doesn't Uncle Arthur in Lagerway convince Uncle Arthur, right? Because it's not – Arthur doesn't care. He's like, you know, he, well, he doesn't – he's afforded the empowerment to Lagerway to make yeah. that decision. Right. And Lagerway is just dragging his feet. He's got an empty checkbook to go out there and try to get one of those – I'm going to say amazing coaches, not even great – Bring him to Atlanta United. Like, I mean, Tata, who coached at Tata Barcelona. Tata come back. I know. He's Tata available right now, and he has told everybody he wants to come back to MLS. So, so he why, has said that. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like, why wouldn't you fire Pineda then and bring Tata back? I think people would say, how do you fire a coach who's in fourth place? I, I'm okay with it. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Do you do think it. anyone in Atlanta would have a problem with that? Bringing Tata no. back. Like the, you think the no. fan base would but have a problem? But you better be sure. If you fire a coach in fourth place, you better be sure and hit a home run. Oh, because, we're sure. Because <laughs> we're sure. Because I'm sure. otherwise, you really screw yourself up for the future. Nobody coach wants I, to come and be uh, like, how I could I be saying. in fourth place and you fire me? I, I will say, after okay. that Charlotte game, like the internet turned on uh, Pineda. Yeah. yeah. I think my poll would go a different direction. And I've noticed like the Facebook population definitely is more, uh, you know, critical of Pineda than the Twitter. But one win gets everybody back excited and got us sort of back into fourth place. We look like we were on fifth place going towards eighth, right? You know, but I still think, and I'm still going to be on record as saying, we look like a team that's going more towards eight than we are towards one. Yeah. Well, this is what I, 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 sorry to cut you off. No, this is what we all kind of predicted, like that there would be this yeah. like slow, like slide into <laughs> somewhere like I predicted sixth or seventh place. You were like a little bit yep. further down. Even further. Um, <laughs> and I think we're all kind of right somewhere in that range yeah. because the problem is even with George Yakamakis, he's so good. Yeah. And Almada, like they're going to drag us into at yeah. least at least coming up on some of these games to where we're going to have to be in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at our team right now, I mean, you know, I, I, I sort of dare the Twitterverse or the podcast listeners to challenge, right? Yakamakis and Almada are both top 10 players in the league. I'm going to put them right now or top 
both of them are in the top five. Yeah, maybe Ooh. even top five. But even okay. if they're only top ten, and I think Almada, you know, is certainly top five, and Yakamaki's might be, but he might be more like top ten. He hasn't done it for long enough. But anyway, the bottom line is, if you have two attacking players who are um, that high rated yeah. right and you have also what many people would consider certainly a top five defender in the league in miles robinson right honestly with nothing else right with just a series of players around it or whatever you should be kind of a top five team and people say oh yeah we are we are we are number four but we haven't been and i'm not sure we will be yeah. right um i don't know we have so much talent and we have way more than that you know, if you look across the team, right, we've got a lot of talented players beyond that. Uh, I know people don't think certain players are really good, like Sosa in particular, but um, I think we have a very solid group, uh, above average group beyond that, and then we have on top of yeah. that the best defender or one of the top five defenders and two of the top ten attackers. And if you have that... You should be kind of almost dominating, right? And that's not even including Araujo, who I thought he got nothing out of and could have been great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I will say um, the people in the chat have a coaching suggestion. Yeah. Okay. Somebody who could bring us to the level we should be. Um, both Elliot and Tyson suggested Coach Katz. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm with you. I just feel like that's like the optimistic part of me i'm like we have the talent we show these games where you have like papa giorgio and almada doing his thing and yeah. well our Rujo, but he'll, he's leaving yeah and you get all this excitement and then you just have like you said we have that kind of up and There's, down and, and come on we all don't you all feel like those games are coming right yes. those down games are coming especially when is especially when George Yakamakis gets another knack and yeah. he's, he's out. Like the energy and the intensity is going to go down. Yeah. When George Yakamakis is not there, the intensity of the entire team goes down because yes. you know who's who's going to play. No, Miguel Barry. No. Miguel Barry. That's the only idea he has. That's the yeah. only idea. And people would say we don't have a lot of depth. That's why we play Miguel Barry. But honestly, I think that's a lack of imagination yeah. because totally. to me, I would have dropped Miguel Barry from the team. I don't yeah. say that very often, but he's not an MLS player. Um, but And I wouldn't have even, as I said to you before, we talked about would you go with Chol as your main you know, backup guy? And I'm kind of like, not yet. I don't think he's ready to lead the line. I would have made a system where it would have been Wiley, Araujo, Etienne, all of them with Almada, and done an interchangeable, mm -hmm. get the good talent on the field, and then Chol comes on as a change of pace. Wow. And you got to design it, you know, but you're so stuck in your way saying we have to have a prototypical striker. The thing is, is like Amada with Chol and Wiley, he's going to make those guys look so good. Because, I mean, they're like tackling Almada in the Colorado game because Colorado, again, is so bad. Mm -hmm. But even so, like there's athletes on Colorado and they, I mean, he was just going around to the point they're like, they're like literally grabbing his jersey, like just trying I to know, stop so that guy. frustrating. Yeah. And there's no imagination, right? We've talked, you know, I said it over and over, right? We have two really good defensive midfielders, Sosa and Ibarra. Yep. I think both of them are above average MLS players, maybe even way above average, right? Why he won't put them on the field at the same time is beyond me. Why? They were for a bit in this last game, weren't they? Nope. He yeah. replaced them. They he swapped. will not do it. They have not been on the field at the same time ever. 
I don't think ever. Maybe you can correct me, but if, I, it, if it's happened, it was only for like minutes or something, yeah. but I've never seen it's it. It's because he considers both of them number sixes. Yes. And can't say, no, Sosa's my, my true six. Uh, Abara's my bruiser. Yes, Abara's my the Abara. Right? The Abara. <laughs> so, hey, dude, like, play that fringe of the red card. Get yeah. in there. I mean, do you see that? He had a beautiful slide tackle yes. in the last game. Yes, like, he did. That's the guy who can, like, you, you think Amar Sedic's going to have a slide tackle like that? Oh, no. Even in this game, you know, where he brought on Abara right late, and I think Abara's had a knock, and that's why he wasn't starting, whatever. But why in the world we finally get, you know, doing well or whatever, right? Why he replaced Sosa, who is fit, could, you know, is there anybody who thinks Sosa can't go 90 minutes? He has to come off the field? No, yeah. right? So it was clearly tactical that he thought that was the best, you know, thing. But yeah. if I was looking at that game, Josetu didn't do jack, yeah. right? And I would have said, Abara for Josetu, Right. And then he, and also you're up for a lead. So even if you think, okay, right. we can't have two guys there, whatever, kill the game with two defensive guys, and you just recycle the ball. Yeah. But why? No imagination. No. I mean, there's no imagination, Mikey Dobbs. Um, so we did we get to okay? Arujo's out in June, end yeah. of June. Mm-hmm. Possibility that Almada. What does this mean for our season, Dave? You got two open designated player spots. Are you bringing in like for like? What What do you do? You know, the interesting thing is that, you know, I, I think there's a compact with the fans that says, look, we all expect us to be a selling club. We're fine with buying from South American talent, having them do amazingly and selling them onto Europe. What we did with Al Marone, everybody expects, right? But I do not think for any minute that... Anybody expects us to do that in a season where we're currently fourth, right? So I think if you suddenly sell Araujo and you, you on top of that you sell Almada, we have a right to just be in absolute uproar. Because it's one thing if you say, all right, they're going to move on. That should be at the end of a season. So if I were in the club, and I am not, but I would have said, Okay, if you get major offers for Almada, take it, right? You know, if you get a $30 million offer for him, whatever, take it. But it has to be a sellback that he stays through the end of the season. Yeah. Otherwise, you're making a mockery of the MLS. You're making a mockery of our team. You're saying that us having a chance to compete in the playoffs doesn't matter. Yeah. His, his personal fortune is bigger than the club. And I think his personal you know, fortune or his, his, you know, his career is super important. We should respect that at the end of the season. But how, how real are these rumors about Napoli? Just one of many that are going to come. I think there's a lot of rumors, but, um, you know, I didn't expect us, you know, the interesting thing was Araujo was bought as a 26 year old. And we talked about it. When does a 26 year old leave Europe in a champions league team to come to MLS? So I thought he was coming here for the long run. Right. Right. Cause why do, why move to the MLS unless I think he was, it just didn't work out. Yeah. But that's. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and now, and I think miss Brazil might be pulling some strings too. But that could be, could be unhappy, yeah. whatever, but. This Whether she's pulling some strings in that, let's say that's the whole thing and it has nothing to do with the club, right? 
and then, and let's say Pineda still wanted him, it still doesn't hide the fact that he got n- very little out of yeah. Araujo. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. But, Dave, I still think there's a possibility we're going to have two designated player spots come July. Uh, you know, if we suddenly get a right-footed winger, I mean, if, again, if you take our team and you say Wiley, who looks to me like, a really, really good future American, yeah. you know, major player. He's at the U20 World Cup right now, which is another reason why it's unconscionable. Like, he's, I think he will be back by the time Araujo actually leaves. But that's why you can't, you know, people say, oh, Araujo shouldn't play. It can't happen because Wiley's out. Yeah. So what are you going to do? But anyway, um, Wiley on one side, if you were to buy a really, really, really good right-footed winger to flank... Almada and Papa Giorgio, even with bad tactics, we could contend. And I ever felt like, I felt like, you know, for example, Frank DeBoer was constantly, <laughs> he was too far forward and then too far back. It was all constantly tinkering. And I didn't think he ever got it perfectly right. But he still, with all of that, had us, you know, a penalty kick from Martinez yeah. from being in the final. And right? a really good long range shot to have. Yeah, to yeah. get us yeah. out. So, and so I wouldn't have said, is, is De, would I consider DeBoer a top 10% coach? No, I think DeBoer would be slightly behind that. Yeah. A guy who could maybe occasionally win a title if he's got the right team, if he's in a club that has the most money and the best players. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you go right now, if you take Pineda and you hand him Manchester City tomorrow, right? Do you have a, what do you, what would you predict would happen? I mean, they're going to win games, though. Yeah. They're certainly going to win games. <laughs> definitely going to win some wins. Right. I would say a mediocre coach, and I, I think Pineda is a mediocre coach. We, we hammer him because we're so frustrated because he could be great. We have a great team. I think he's mediocre, right? He's not awful. Uh, I've seen some really bad coaches like Frank Lampard, really bad coach. Um, <laughs> but he's not that. He's mediocre. So, But if you tell me, if you handed Pineda – Manchester City right now, I say he doesn't win the title. He'd compete for it. He'd be top three or whatever or four because with that team, how could you not? Yeah. Right? So there are certain situations where you walk into it. But I think a bad coach, and you've seen this at times because you saw, you know, cases where a really good team suddenly, bam, you know, wins a title after a new coach comes in. Mm-hmm. I think long-term you're right with the Manchester United or Man, Man City yeah. example, I think for one season before the locker room kind of implodes just because stuff happens and you have to have a strong-minded manager yep. to keep the team. But like one season, I think you can have an incompetent manager come in and the team still does it on their own. Yeah, but sometimes. not, But not necessarily two seasons. That's, then you start going that's, right Yeah, then down. you start going down. I've seen this all the time. I've seen it, you know, in college football is a classic example of this, right? So like the, the super one was Barry Switzer who took over right at um at oklahoma right yeah. and he won a national championship with the previous with um um the other team that he inherited I can't remember and then um and then as soon as yeah. it, right or less miles who took over from nick saban at right. lsu right won the national championship the first year the team was so good just right. did the same exact thing and then just went right into down you know yeah. further 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 it wasn't terrible i mean less miles is a good coach Right, but not a great one. No. Right? Nick Saban's a great one. I'm just saying, I think this year, if you would have put me in charge of Man City, that we would have still been in the same position with Man City. 
So my and, point and is my that, po- and my point yeah. being is I'd be a terrible coach, but <laughs> I would just be like, guys, keep playing the way you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> you get out of the way. Get out of you the way. You have to know when you to get out of the way. Keep it sometimes. simple. And if you did that with our Atlanta United team right now, and you just played a standard formation and whatever, then we would be honestly, we would be top two team for yep. sure. I think. I think the talent means that we should be there. Certainly the payroll says that, but not just the payroll because sometimes you have really overplayed players. But you saw it in the moments where we finally freed Araujo in this game. You know, you're like, whoa. He just, you know, like a Ferrari turns the keys and and like gone. Like had he just from day one played him out on his natural left. Yes. I mean, have you ever, I mean, did you hear that Pineda was asked about that in the press conference? So in the last 10 minutes of the previous game um, against Charlotte, when it was all terrible, I think it was the Charlotte game, he switched Araujo over to the left and actually came back to life. He was terrific on the left. And so one of the reporters asked him, he said, you know, with things not going well, whatever, would you consider switching him back over? And Pineda said, we, when things aren't going well, we want players to be comfortable, so we're putting him where he's comfortable, and that's why we're staying out there. Wow. Really? Yep, that's what he said. And by the way, like, at Lille, it wasn't like Araujo was scoring a bunch of goals. No, he was not. So, like, for Atlanta United fans to expect, like, Araujo, which I think that pressure was unduly put on him. Yeah. If you would have just said, hey, Araujo, here's what we want you to do. We could, don't try to be the hero of the league. Just come in on the left and terrorize people. Yes. Going down the left side yes. and just whipping balls yes. into the box to the point of yes. just saying, hey, did you see how many balls just got whipped through the box and people yes. ca- and Barry's not finishing it? Yeah. The problem is elsewhere, people. <laughs> Crash the box <laughs> well, and score. Well, it would have been last year. It would have been Joseph Martinez. And this yeah. year it would have been Papa Giorgio Correct. for the most part. And they would have scored. Yeah, and they would have scored. Yeah, exactly. guys that could put right. the ball in. Yeah. Right. Hell, even Juan Parata get up there at some point <laughs> and bang in with a header with those crosses coming in. One thing I, we haven't talked about, but... You know, our three, our big three, Miles Robinson, Juan Parata, and Papa Giorgio, all three of whom are really good in the air, and on corners, we look like we're going to score every third corner. I mean, if you watch our corners, I I was counting them in the last game. Yeah, they're good. And almost every single time we have a corner, we get a ball going towards the goal. Doesn't mean it's a great one, but we win the header. Right, well, if you win every single corner header, you're going to score. And right. and what's interesting to your point about the stats of the in swinger statistically being more, the ones I've seen work because Brooks Lennon, <laughs> what what did I say? No, you're absolutely right on. So what's interesting is Brooks Lennon uh, takes takes the corners from both sides. Yes, and why? Because he he can put in a good cross. Yes, but. but the the in swinger ones, the ones that yes. he's taken from the I guess left side of the field, his his opposite side, seem to be the ones that are most dangerous. That was the one that Juan Prata yep. came near post and got a flick in. You see, I've seen more success from that. You know side. who can swing in a really good right footed ball? Um. Give you a hint. He scored a free kick in the last game. Almada, uh, Almada, sure. Yeah. He's yeah. taken a few. Yeah, I mean yeah. Almada's. Uh, yeah. he, he can put it on. So a why plate. not have Almada on the right foot and Lennon on the left foot? I mean, what? What are the things that problem? No, but no Lennon's. I'm oh, right, sorry. Lennon's yeah, right, right foot. 
I was like, what are you talking about? You're, you're, yeah, thank you. Duh. Been too long. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mental. Yeah, so who's taking... Yeah, so what I would say, so Lennon on the right foot, and then on the left foot, why not have Araujo? Correct. Yes. Because right. he can really swing That's what you ball. meant to say. That's yeah. what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, I mean, the, the problem that people have with, um, particularly if it's an outside back doing it, is because if you do an in-swinger, so typically you... Don't play inverted outside backs. Did right? you ever see Arizu take corners? Like to your point no. for the in swinger. No, he's got a fabulous cross. Yeah, he can whip a ball I mean, like you he, wouldn't believe. He was the only guy to your point. Like you're talking, and about- he doesn't go attack a ball in the box. He's never going to score on a header. You've never seen him come close no. to scoring. So it's not like we need him in the box. I literally <laughs> was having that. I was having that thought as. Right before I said, I was like, "In Asia is never gonna, he's never gonna score, <laughs> never gonna score." So you might as well have get pushed off, it. and he's gonna roll around and yeah. pull shorts up and be like, yeah. "Oh, <laughs> never gonna happen." That's not who he is. That yeah, he's but a, he's a, a race car. Let him take the corner kicks. Jesus. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, the problem you typically have is it's usually an outside. A lot of times, outside back taking him, and then in order to do that, you have to have your right back like Lennon go all the way mm-hmm. to the left side. And then you have to switch for a few minutes. To me, is that a problem? You got to have, you cannot have a professional player who's your left back who can't at least play on the right back for five minutes. So what you do is you switch them. Lennon runs back to the left back for a few minutes. And then the moment they're just a stop ball, whatever, they switch again. Yeah. I mean, it's not that. It's not rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And if it's an Araujo, it doesn't even matter because he doesn't play defense anyway. So you switch him over, yeah, and he's just getting back like already, a normal player. Yeah, but they're already doing that with Lennon. Obviously, they realize his his in swingers from the far side are fine yeah. if Gutman's got to shift over. Yeah, and, and Let- play right back. <laughs> Araujo is inverted anyway, so yeah. he's just right yeah. on the. He comes back to his normal position. Yeah. He, can, he can just hang out and show no intensity for a couple of minutes, <laughs> yeah. and watch the play, and then get involved with the matters. I like it. All right, we've been podcasting for a while now. Where, where yeah. are we at here? We are at about hour fifty. Wow. Yeah. We've talked about it all. I don't know well, that we, we had a lot to talk about. I don't know that we need to go into European football. We may have to put a nah, I think we can yeah. put yeah. put a lid on that. But yeah. I do want to talk about the US men's national team at some point in the next podcast. We've got a lot of movement over there. They're hiring Jesse Marsh. They are. We, everybody that's knows. That's what everybody that. said. But at least Jesse Marsh will have a forward to score, it looks like. So that's good. Yeah, ah, the new kid. Yeah. 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 So he real good. So we'll let's 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 talk okay. about that in the next podcast. We'll okay. do a little we'll US, say, we'll US soccer. Spoiler alert. We'll save but, it. And Spoiler, there's a good player who's going to be a striker on a team that already has a ton of talent. <laughs> All right, but well, do go. we have the coach to take it? Hey, by the way, everybody, if you're listening, thank you. Tell a friend. ATL on fire jersey. ATL on fire jersey. Look at that. Thank you, everybody, who uh, got me this birthday gift. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks Take for listening. Take care, everybody. Bye, guys. Woo.